When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter-day Takes. Hope you all had a great weekend. Happy Monday. Hope you're gearing up for a great week coming with the 4th of July Independence Day coming up this coming Sunday. So there's a lot of uh, partying that'll be happening coming into the weekend, I'm sure. A lot of events going on, family stuff, things like that. Um, I saw Fast and Furious 9 over the weekend, last Friday, and I couldn't help myself. I had to give a review of it. So that takes, that's going to take pretty much the episode, the entire episode. I get one of my friends on who loves the, the whole franchise to defend it, and we kind of go back and forth talking about why it might be entertaining to some and for others like me that absolutely loathe it. Anyway, um, but before we get into that, I wanted to share... A couple things that I was looking into because I know I kind of shared a tidbit last time on the idea of rules for radical Mormons, you know, members of the church that are basically trying to change the church from the inside. Uh, not sure their motivation. It's something I'm still kind of looking into, but it's definitely a thing. You see it. You see it a lot. You see it a lot on social media, especially. Um, anyway, I came across an example, and it's kind of funny because the example is Korahor in the Book of Alma, and Korahor's whole experience there when Alma, the younger, contends with him specifically. And in Alma, chapter 30, um, Korahor actually exposes his true agenda without actually telling it. He can't speak, right? Alma has already confounded him from the language, so he's, he's become a mute. But he had written down a couple messages explaining what had happened, and he said that the devil appeared to him in the form of an angel. And the same angel had told him there was no God. So assuming that's even true, why would Korahor believe an angel saying there was no God? Like, where did this angel come from? Like, if there's if there's some sort of heavenly visitation, it had to have come from somewhere. So what is the root of all that? So why would you think that there's this heavenly manifestation telling you there is no God? I mean, that just seems contradictory in my mind. You know, why didn't he question the origin of that angelic being, so to speak, right? Telling him there is no God. That seems a little strange in my mind. Um, and this angel had told him to reclaim this people, for they have all gone astray after an unknown God. I was saying earlier to Alma that he doesn't deny the existence of a God, but does not believe that there is a God. So there's even a further contradiction there. Korhor contradicts himself by saying, they have all gone astray after an unknown God, but he doesn't deny the existence of a God, but he but he does not believe there is a God. I mean, there's just all sorts of weird mental gymnastics going on there with what Korhor is saying. But there's, I mean, there's something right, right at the beginning too where he's saying, oh, that wasn't an angel, that was the devil. He appeared to me. And it's like, how was he so quick to know that? I mean, 
Korhor clearly had an agenda there, and that's why Alma didn't give him the power to speak back, because he knew, he saw right through it. Like, Korhor wasn't going to change his ways if he had his ability to speak again. He would have chalked it up to some weird game he was playing with Alma, and that Alma didn't actually have the power that he said he did. And so that's why it, Korhor died in shame, essentially. But, um, yeah, there there is somewhat of a, a parallel here that I'm seeing, and the idea that it, Korhor took it upon himself to reclaim the people seems to be somewhat of kind of an approach of those um, radical Mormons. You know, they think they think they know more than the church itself and that they're the ones that are going to be the progressives leading the charge, leading the way, and making it so that new policy and new doctrine gets uncovered instead of just leaving that to the natural order of the church. I think Korahor was really trying to do the same thing there in some ways. He was trying to be that progressive figure. So, that, I mean, essentially it's kind of this desire for power and and looking for applaud, you know, looking for credit and um, seeking recognition, essentially, right? Which is which is where Korhor got him got in trouble, and I think you see a lot of progressive Mormons, these radical Mormons, get in the same type of trouble. And I have one question. I think it's interesting that, you know, everybody kind of needs to ask themselves this, which is, is it best to make a decision about the truth of a construct when living when living in accordance with that construct or contrary to it? In other words, how can a sinner determine the truth of the gospel if they aren't even living it? Does making that decision come with an asterisk if we're completely ensconced in living its principles, etc.? In what situation in our life can we trust what is true? I think that's a fair question that we all need to ask ourselves. How many dis- people decide the gospel is not true, have a genuinely honest approach to living the gospel? Another fair question. And this is somewhat of a an analogy. This is an analogy, and it makes it come across as childish, but I think it's also like makes sense is you can't claim to hate basketball if you're playing it with a football, right? In other words, you have to really live in accordance with the gospel before you make the decision, is this really right, true, good, and making me a better person? Anyway, just a couple thoughts there. And a couple other things I wanted to share before we get into the meat of this episode, which is a disdain for the Fast and Furious. I know it seems totally random, but a couple things that came to me that I wanted to share. I saw this tweet over the weekend. It was actually just from Sunday. And um, it's this uh, this lady on Twitter. Her name is Jessica. And I only share that because Twitter's public domain, and so anybody can see this. Um, and it says, Really, really hate having to explain to my 7-year-old that she's not bad, in quotes, because of what a primary kid said to her for wearing a sleeveless dress to church today. Can we please just stop doing this? And there's a couple things here. I mean, first off, how do we know that instead of instead of this being an, an issue of uh, a holier-than-thou member of the church, some little kid, primary kid, um, saying something like that, it could have just been a mean girl. Because if there's anything I know about female fashion, it's that the meanest and most judgmental uh, people within female fashion are females. <laughs> like, there aren't a lot of guys there that go after kind of the fashion aspect of what women do. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of idiot guys that say stupid things, but 
I don't think it's any secret that women are notoriously hard on each other when it comes to how other women dress. So it could have just been another girl in primary going after her for that. That's possible. We are talking about a primary child here for, for, for one. That is, that is essentially the subject of this tweet. That is causing so much ire and grief. That is the genesis of this argument that Jessica is making on Twitter, which is crazy. She asks, can we stop doing this? I'm not sure what Jessica is attempting to stop here. Ignorant jerks, because good luck with that. How about we draw from the serenity prayer to help answer Jessica's question, which is, "Give God, give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, but courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Those three tenets of the serenity prayer are so important when assessing a lot of situations like this, right? What is in Jessica's control here? Not the primary kid saying mean things to her, whether it was a boy or a girl, whatever age, I don't know what the age this is. She just said primary kid. Her her own daughter is seven. But we don't know the age of this other kid, but it's a primary kid. So at least 11, 11 years old at the oldest, Jessica cannot control that child. She cannot control the kids or the parents of that kid either. Um, they And these parents may lack some real serious teachings here when it comes to being Christ-like. Like, let's, let's acknowledge that part, right? That this kid should not have said that to her daughter. That's ridiculous. Um... But let's see, what's what's another option here? Jessica is only in control of what she can teach her seven-year-old, which in this case is hopefully how to be more resilient when interacting with mean people, which, spoiler alert, and there, there's a lot of spoiler alerts in this episode, but not about the same thing, will likely happen though her whole life. This is happening in Jessica's life all the time, so it's going to happen in her daughter's life, her seven-year-old's life. If you're trying to control an externality, not only will you exhaust yourself, you'll probably go crazy in the process. And that's something that if you're able to embrace and acknowledge, then life does get a little bit easier when you try and stop controlling the actions and thoughts of others. All right, now that I've gotten that off my chest, now that I'm off my soapbox, uh, we'll go ahead and start this episode. But like I said, I hope you're having a happy Monday. Um... And I hope you hate Fast and Furious franchise as much as I do. If not, then you can go be friends with Casey, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Mormons are my favorite. They're my favorite. Yeah, okay. They're absolutely yeah. my favorite. All Mormons are nutty Mormons. Mormons are the nicest cult of all time. Beautiful, and these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. Just being a Mormon's nutty. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yeah. best cult. My favorite religion is Mormons. They're the nicest people. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right. So this uh, last weekend on Friday, I did end up seeing Fast and Furious 9. Somewhat reluctantly, but whatever. It happened. Um, and I got to warn you that I'm going to give a review and there's going to be some spoilers. Just want to put that out there. But anyway, so they, they, everyone refers to it as F9. Um, sounds like a workout, like kinda like F45 or something like that. But anyway, this legitimately might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I'm i not even exaggerating here. <laughs> and, um, J- John Cena makes his appearance. He's a uh, former WWE you know, wrestler and maybe he's still doing it. I don't know. It's kind of, he's kind of like following the same path of the rock but 
The Rock seemed to fit into it more naturally. Uh, John Cena just can't act, never has been able to. Um, and it makes sense that he's in one of the worst movies I've ever seen because prior to F9, John Cena was probably in the worst movie I'd ever seen, which was 12 Rounds, which is something probably nobody's ever seen. People are probably wondering, why would you see 12 Rounds ever? Uh, well, funny story. I was in between uh, wedding events in a day. It was, uh, it was um, like between the, 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 the wedding luncheon and the reception, and I was far away from home, and I didn't know a lot of people, so I was like, well, I'll just go see a movie to kill time. I went to go see 12 Rounds, and it was it was so bad. I, I remember specifically a scene where John Cena, it's like, like it's his girlfriend. He's a detective, and his girlfriend gets kidnapped, and so he has to, like, find clues of around town on how to find her. And he's with his buddy, and they're looking around at, like, some crossroads intersection in some neighborhood. And they see something spray painted and they're like, oh, what is that? Like that, that, that doesn't look natural. And so like his John Cena season, he's like, those are like, those aren't dates. Those are coordinates. And his friend's like, how did you know that? And he, as he's going back to the car, he's like, uh, ninth grade geometry, brother, <laughs> or something. And you're just like, bad writing aside. It was just so, so ridiculously terrible. Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent, but there's probably going to be a few of those. Um, but it looks like John Cena is going to be a franchise regular. Um, I bring on my buddy Casey because he loves the franchise. Do we talk a little bit more about that? And I'll get his thoughts kind of on what he thinks about Cena entering the franchise. Um, but as soon as John Cena was basically in the movie, I actually turned to my girlfriend who I was there at the movie with. We got free tickets for the record. I did not take her. Uh, to see the movie because I wanted to go see it or she wanted to go see it. It was this, somebody had rented out the theater. It was a fun time, but my gosh, was that movie terrible. And I, and I told her, I said, he's going to turn in, like he's going to turn at the end and join forces, right? He's got to, like he's somewhere in there with, with Vinny and the gang. It's going to be John Cena, Vinny and the gang doing their thing. And yeah, that's basically what happened. Like I said, there were going to be spoilers here. Um, Tyrese Gibson almost dies like 17 times, but it's okay because he even, he even realizes that and it becomes a funny side plot in the movie apparently where he thinks he might actually be invincible. And in all honesty, that's the most self-aware part of the movie in a movie franchise that th threw, they threw self-awareness out the window ever since they cast Vin Diesel as the lead, quite frankly. so um, Like I said, I did get a free ticket, um, which is why I felt remotely comfortable taking time to address this Hollywood atrocity. This film didn't even give it 20 minutes before it had cars making it across a chasm between two islands that couldn't have been less than 500 yards with a side, with this flimsy bridge kind of connecting the two. Yet somehow with zero structural support on one side of a bridge, a car is still able to use this wooden flimsy bridge as leverage to make it across. I don't want to go into how this movie defies physics, which is a generous way of putting it, quite frankly, because I don't have seven hours on this podcast episode. And here's the thing. The collapsed bridge wasn't even the craziest part of that scene. Vinny's own car somehow managed to latch onto the broken end after it had already collapsed and use it to fling himself to the other island, like catapult himself somehow. And get this, that's not even the craziest part of that scene. 
The craziest part of the scene is when the franchise, a.k.a. John Cena, seemingly goes full bore off the cliff and gets grabbed by a passing jet that happens to have the world's strongest magnet and is able to attract his car right at the very same time the car jumps off the cliff. The most impressive part of that plan might be the incredible timing of the car and the jet had. They must have planned for all sorts of shenanigans leading up to that point. Um, side note, who's flying that jet? It had to have been Maverick from Top Gun. There's no question, right? Only he could pull something like that off, I, I feel like. But anyway, as I said, bad acting aside, this movie not only show, throws out all self-awareness, physical limitations only exist if they don't get in the way of the storyline. And honestly, that's probably the number one rule of the entire franchise. Don't let scientific impossibilities or improbabilities, if you're staunch saying that science never says anything's impossible, get in the way of a good story. If suspending disbelief were a muscle, everybody leaving that theater would have gone into a three-day coma just to recover from the high-intensity interval workout. And therein lies the major issue that I have with the Fast franchise. I like suspending disbelief just as much as the next guy, right? I wouldn't like Christopher Nolan movies if that weren't the case. But that has to have limitations on it in order for me to not feel like I'm completely wasting my time. That it's just pure raw entertainment nonstop, which is something kind of Casey talks about a little bit when we're when we're chatting back and forth about this. I don't like superhero movies either. I made that clear on this podcast. But at least that's embracing this fantasy aspect in full force, right? It's not lying to itself in the sense where it's like we even understand that this isn't necessarily our world. And that's something that the Fast franchise doesn't do. They have the benefits of being in this world, but by also playing by their own rules. And even though I hate it, I can't fault them for grifting millions from a crowd that apparently doesn't question anything. <laughs> like, seriously, that's that's what it is. Like, they're just getting away with murder, essentially, on the big screen. Um, these people just come to be entertained. So I guess it really comes down to the spectrum of entertainment. And the Fast fan tr- franchise falls way outside of my own spectrum of entertainment. So there's not much more I can talk about in that regard. And from there, we're going to go into a conversation with Casey. And once again, there are spoilers, so get ready for that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's one hell of a movie, and uh, it's, uh, it's a good conversation I have with my boy Casey. Dad, what's going on? Daddy's got to go to work. All right, we got a recurring guest, friend of the program, Casey Sato, with us today. Um, I brought Casey on specifically. It's almost kind of an emergency pod type of way because I need to talk about this with somebody. And I can't talk about it with somebody that loathes it as much as I do. I need to have somebody on the other side because that just makes it unlistenable if it's just two people crapping all over a franchise or a specific movie. And in some ways, I really just have to dissect this and I have to understand it better. I saw Fast and the Furious 9 on Friday. You saw it the night before. Yep. You love this franchise so much. Our friend John, who's been on the pod before as well, loves it so much. Yeah. And I absolutely despise it. I know you do. Pretty much the whole franchise. Yeah, and you guys are aware. We've even actually seen... We went to the theater one time and saw the original Fast and Furious. 
Um, I can't remember what the occasion was. I was in town from Texas while I was mm. out there at the time, and us three went to the movie. I think it was a. Um, I think it was like the fifteenth anniversary of the. That must have been it. Yeah, that must. That sounds right. They were showing it in theaters. Which, here's the thing: like, there was some nostalgia with that, so that's kind of why I was like, <laughs> like I kind of liked going, and especially obviously I love being with you guys, so it wasn't a hard decision to make anyway. But seeing Fast and Furious was. It was like going back into middle school and being like, oh, yeah, like this. I remember watching this as a kid and there were some things I liked about it as a kid. And I understood that. But then there's just I don't know, somewhere in there it got lost. And I actually here's another thing too: Fast and Furious 2. As bad as it is. And I think for those that love the franchise, I actually don't like the second one from what I understand. Yeah. At least too much because there's no Vin Diesel. Yeah. Among other things. But. It is the introduction that we had to Tyrese Gibson, who became a big point of that all. And, and uh, the whole and franchise, Ludacris. obviously. Oh, that's right. He's got a tiny part, yep. but he is in it. Yep. Yeah. Or smaller part. Not tiny, but it's smaller. Yep. Anyway, uh, I feel like it's just become a little bit too tangential for what I'm looking for. Why do you like it, man? Because I hate it. And I'm, I like gave a whole review before I brought you on to kind of defend it. Oh, Interesting. I, I wish I would have been able to listen to this prior because I, my question to you is why do you not like it? That's that, <laughs> that's like my uh, greater question is why do you not like it? But uh, why do I like it? A, uh, I think it's number one, just fun. Uh, it's like a very simple movie. It doesn't take a lot of brain power to understand it. And... Uh, Fast cars, uh, exploding stuff, uh, outrageous stunts, and overall, it's just like two and a half hours of like very simple entertainment. And maybe that goes to like you know that that says something about my theatrical taste that like I can be very simple in my taste, but. I just, it, or I think capacity to be entertained. Yeah. Or my, yeah, my capacity to be entertained is like super low. And I just think it's, I think there's funny parts. I think there's really interesting, like some family conversation there. And, uh, and I mean, I like Paul Walker. I like Vin Diesel. I like, I like the cast. They've got good chemistry. <laughs> good chemistry. I guess, I guess they probably do. I mean, they have good. Chem- they do have good chemistry. Like, you can't deny that. I mean, that's it's kind of lost on me, though. Just, I mean, it's not exactly something I'm looking at. It's not, and it doesn't rise to the surface readily necessarily because it is everything else just obscures it in my mind. But that's me being nitpicky. I, I maybe nitpicky or whatever. Right? That's me being distracted by the other aspects of a movie that you don't get distracted by. And that's fine. Well, I also you have to, I'm yeah, not, I also think you, have I'm not to, trying to convince you by the way. And I never would anyway. Yeah. Well, there's no convincing curious. me otherwise. Like as a person that <laughs> like his passcode on his phone is, uh, how I personally rate the fast and furious franchise. Uh, there's no, there's, <laughs> there's no changing my love of this. Like I'm, I'm all in on the fast franchise. That is amazing. Well done on that, dude. That's freaking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's your passcode. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my ranking probably will not be revealed here uh, on this passport to protect the uh, sensitivity that's in my phone. But uh, yeah. I know what number one is, but I won't even reveal that. I do know what number one is. Number one is five. We don't even need to. That's that's well documented. Okay. So 
that's well documented in the uh, in the Twitter sphere. So no, no need to. Uh, first digit is five. Yep, the first okay, digit is know. definitely five. We'll crack it eventually. So here's the thing, Harper oh. is. Um, Actually, so I've got a lot of takes on the fast franchise if, if you'd like them. But uh, but I think, number one, you have to take anything from 7, 8, and 9 in complete context that they're lesser versions of the actual franchise because uh, in the middle of 7, Paul died, right? Once Paul died, I think they had a really hard time figuring out what the plot was for each and every movie after that. I think they've struggled mm-hmm. to piece those things together. But if you want to go back and look at four, five, and six, those are the four. Those those are three of the best movies. Um, gotcha. Okay, so those have got to be in your passcode somewhere definitely. too. Yeah. Oh, they're definitely maybe five, six, four. They're de- they're, something yeah, like that. they're definitely in there. <laughs> That's interesting. I never heard it put that way. That four, five, and six are like like genuine. I, I may actually. Here's the thing. I've never made it through Fast Five all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason I fell asleep in that movie. Like I didn't, I never saw it in the theater and it was like, whenever anybody would turn it on, I fell asleep. Like I went through, that is not however, like saying like, Oh, it was so boring. I fell asleep. I'm really not saying that. Yeah. It, I think it really caught me at bad times. Gotcha. Cause I really wasn't like trying to fall. Like it just was like, it was started late at night, like every time or whatever, you know? And I only gave it maybe two or three tries was all. I, um, I think if you went back and started on one, which you've already seen, right? And then jump, skipped yeah. right to four, five, and six. If you did those four movies in a row, I think you would actually find uh, a little bit more of an enjoyable experience because it has a little bit more of, of, a, of a rhythm to it. And the movies aren't so... I mean, granted, in, in Fast Five, they are dragging a vault uh, all through Brazil. But out, outside of that, like I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit more to the substance of like, Hey, these guys are street racers and they're stealing and it's about fast cars and, uh, kind of the action of, of driving, uh, rather than anything, you know, more, more or less complicated than that. They're not like, you know, for example, in fast nine, like spoiler alert, we're not sending a rocket ship up in the outer space. <laughs> yeah. So don't worry. I warned everybody of spoiler alerts because I, I went off on all that i kind of went into a lot of detail specifically about like the first 25 minutes of the movie um and so yeah the, we we make it to space in fast nine which is just it's absurd incredible yeah yeah it, it's absurd <laughs> and it's it's quite uh, it's quite the franchise in terms of like hey they're gonna see how how ridiculous uh they can be but also i think one thing to note they are winking at it in nine like they don't they don't hide it, right? They do definitely acknowledge that everything they're doing is utterly ridiculous. And Frank can't. Frank is Frank uh, getting ticked at this conversation. Yeah, Frank is. Is he? Uh, is he? Is he a big Fast and Furious fan? He is. A, he doesn't like your slander that's being spoken for Fast Night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him, Frank. I think is I actually really respect Frank. So any of opinions he have are all, he, they're always welcome on the podcast. I like it. Okay. Um, um, but I was just saying though, like, so, okay. So they wink at it in eight. I don't not even, I don't even remember if I saw eight was that wasn't Statham. Was it? That was Statham. Yeah. Oh, that was Statham. Well, that was Statham so, and Charlize Theron. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe I did miss that one. Cause Statham was, he also in seven. Uh, yes. So if you like me to go through the historical context of all the newer ones, four is the reboot. 
where they get Paul Walker and Vin Diesel and they get the whole kind of franchise going back again. Mm-hmm. Five is when it becomes a little bit like the Italian job and they bring together all these like former castmates and put together a team and they they are based in Brazil. And that's also the introduction to The Rock, which The Rock has a nice little addition to the movies there because he just adds like a little bit of like comedy. He adds a little bit of some. Uh, I actually did like The Rock in it. I really did. And I just like The Rock. And I also hate Vin Diesel, which might be the genesis of my hate. I, I think that might Fast be also movies, the, but... the, the genesis of it. If you don't like Vin Diesel, then you're probably not going to like the Fast franchise. Yeah. Um, six, they jump to London. And that's where they have like the... Uh, 40 mile runway uh with a plane which is pretty ridiculous oh yeah somebody broke it down like that plane like with the time and everything they put like they actually like mapped it out and said for although as long as it took and for how fast they were going that runway had to have been 40 miles yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i remember hearing about that so then uh seven is when they start to introduce some additional you know let's call them b plus level superstars or actors into the mix and that's when they had jason statham uh who i liked and no joke found myself in in seven i was actually cheering for statham like when he was fighting vin diesel interesting not openly but i was kind of like i like i actually like jason statham i really do jason statham to me is a highly entertaining actor we've seen his most recent movie together absolutely uh, and then eight is when they bring in uh, Charlize Theron. And then... Uh, Who, by the way, like, credit to her for not only coming back within the franchise, but also reviving the best version of the pumpkin pie haircutted freak I've yeah. seen since Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that, that, is an, it, that, that was a quality haircut. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Charlize felt so beautiful that I think she can really pull off anything. <laughs> that's like yeah that's like the fundamentals of it yeah for sure but i still don't know if she beat lloyd christmas i'm not sure she probably doesn't beat not lloyd sure. but uh, you know she at least pulls it off yeah yeah she does pull it off. i agree she is very beautiful um all right really what i wanted to get into though here quickly was that it, for me to enjoy a movie the susp- suspension of disbelief is very fragile yep and so because you have to have it to enjoy almost any movie, Correct. right? There can be nonfiction movies where it's like, hey, like pretty much everything is true in this story. But even then, there's a lot of creative liberties that get taken generally in those in those cases. Even, But um, for in general, like Christopher Nolan, for example, that's somebody that I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. I love pretty much all his movies. Yep. I thought he went a little bit overboard with the last one with Tenet because that was just not only it's not me being prideful and being like, oh, so over my head. I felt like, you know what, he can let's not go full Nolan every time. And this was like Nolan turned up to eleven, where it was just like so many layers to it. I don't doubt that Nolan had a good breakdown. Like he and his brother probably mapped it out pretty well about like how Tenet really was, like how it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that. Mm-hmm. But let's not lose the average viewer and all that. And I very much am an average viewer when it comes to Nolan movies. I happen to love Interstellar. That's probably a top 10 movie for me all time currently. Yep. But anyway, I, I can suspend my disbelief to a degree. That's why I like science fiction, because that is taking hypotheticals and advancing them for a narrative 
and making it say like, how do we take this to a point that can be like extremely interesting? And that to me is interesting. So it's not that I'm against that. It's that the, the one of the things that I laid out in my critique is that the Fast and the Furious franchise has like the rules only exist as long as they're convenient, convenient to advance the plot. As long as it's not convenient anymore, they throw those rules out. And I hate that. Right. I mean, yeah, the, this, this, what you're talking about is uh, part of the reason why it's a joke. And for those that love the fast franchise, like they get the wink at it. Like they get that it's a joke, that it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's a summer film that's meant to just simply entertain. And if it's meant to be critically analyzed, they, they know they're going to get absolutely shredded uh, in that critical analysis. Right. Uh, so if you're going to a movie theater to have some sense of realism or something that uh, mimics real life or some alternative theory of life, you're just not going to get it out of the fast franchise. What, what you no, are like, what you are going to get is something that's just meant to be entertaining. It's meant to have a little bit of some, you know, comedic relief. It's meant to have some stunts where you're like, ha. Oh, that's hilarious that they like it's kind of a wink that it's hilarious <laughs> that they did it but it also kind of puts you on this you know the seat of your pants um so i mean i understand that it's not that like the director is saying let i'm gonna treat the audience like they're stupid no like i know that like and i know that but but in the in some senses it's it's i don't know it's like so cheap yep that it's it, it it's not even insulting anymore. <laughs> like I don't. It's because, like you say, they're like they're winking at it, and it's like they're the director's in on the same joke that the audience is in on, and so like let's all all enjoy this together. And it's kind of like the the only thing that I can really say that is kind of like at, at the end of the day, it's like you know what? Props to them for finding something there because not just anyone can pull that off. Yeah. As a franchise, yep. they basically said we're just here to provide a release entertainment. Like nobody's ever taking this seriously. Nobody, there isn't a single person that goes to a movie and say it. Like, as soon as you start critically analyzing fast and furious, you've lost, you've lost, you have exactly. like, it's, it's stupid. Like it's pointless. Like, yep. and so to, for them to be able to pull that off where it's just saying like, Hey, like this is essentially a cartoon, but with real people. Yeah. I guess props. Right. I just hope you don't see more of that because to me, it's like, I just, I don't know. It's kind of a waste of entertainment in my mind, but that's me. That's personal, right? And it's obviously not for you and John. Obviously. Well, we're obviously going to continue to see more and more movies like this, right? Because, I mean, look at John Wick. Like, John Wick is one of the most yeah. successful franchises out there. And none of that is based out of any, you know... Reality. Any reality. No, it's true. And I and I actually haven't seen any of those movies all the way through. I saw the first, a lot of the first one. Mm -hmm. But I get it. I mean, John Wick is essentially cut from the same cloth as, like, Taken. Where it's like, yeah. nobody is going to beat Liam Neeson. Like, it's the ultimate, like, badass that you, you're getting a release because it's like you get to live vicariously through Liam Neeson and how he fights. And he's 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 undefeated. Even when it looks like he's defeated, you know he's still undefeated. John Wick is very similar. And it's like, we have entered into this era where there's, like, the... Like not not only will the protagonist prevail, he will like excel and thrive and just make people look stupid in the process. Yeah, and, well, I mean, the movies always have. There's there's definitely he or she. By the way, sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, for I don't sure. Mean to say there, all protagonists are he. There, there's definitely this segment of the Hollywood industry 
where movies are just meant to be entertaining, right? So go back to like any movie, not any movie, but a lot of movies that Arnold Schwarzenegger did, or um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Celebr- yeah, Sylvester Stallone, right? Like any yeah. of their movies is a little bit ridiculous when you go back and actually- Yeah, the Expendables, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. so like- these these movies are never going going to go away and currently right now fast and furious is just kind of the staple franchise that has cornered this area of the market and and has really owned it for the past decade i guess so as you're saying this, and you're right you're you're absolutely right on that and it's hard to fault them for that it's like you know what you found a cash cow own it yeah. milk it i mean for it's the same it's thing worth. with like and, the terminator franchise right the terminator franchise yeah. how many uh, you know, installments of that one is there. And are they great movies? Like, no, they're not. But did they make a shit ton of money? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that's, yeah, that's where we're at. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm waiting for me. It's all gonna, it's all gonna climax when they actually have Dom Toretto, Vin Diesel, uh, riding an actual rocket. <laughs> and where he's able, like, while he's on the rocket, He's able to like position it in a way where it goes away from the original target. And at the last second, he's able to jump off. And somewhere in there, he either has a parachute strapped to his back or, I mean, I feel like a car has to come into play there. Like somehow a car is able to catch him going so fast, but with like a padded something or other. I don't know. But that's got to happen. I mean, at you some saw point. multiple uh, versions of that in Fast 9 already, didn't you? <laughs> right, <laughs> Basically. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there yeah. was there was a a rocket that was sent up into space, and it was a Pontiac Ferrero just flying around yeah. in, in space, and, and yeah. somehow it had thrusters yeah. on it. So you're you're basically yeah at, yeah, yeah. You that right away the thrusters yeah you're basically at the most like wow they thought of everything yeah you're basically <laughs> at the most ridiculous level of of the franchise you can possibly get at this point. But um, what what I was gonna say to you is. You should go back. I'll send you the links tonight so that you can link them in the podcast episode. But if you <laughs> thank you, uh, if you want an entertaining perspective of why the Fast franchise is great, uh, Bill Simmons and Adam Carolla broke down Fast Four, Five, and Six, and they're three of the funniest podcasts I've ever listened to. And it does a really good job of explaining why the Fast franchise is great for those that like it. And one of the best comparisons that was mentioned in that film or in that in those podcasts is that the Fast and Furious franchise is like a Twinkie. When you're in the mood for a Twinkie uh, or some type of horrible, you know, like non, you know, what whatever type of like silly pastry or dessert you're searching for. That's the only thing that's going to quench that, that, you know, that hunger. Okay. <laughs> it's not meant to be uh, the nicest pastry. It's not meant to be a high end cheesecake or a high end. Uh, you know, it, it's not meant to be that it's a freaking Twinkie. And if you, it's a dollar store dessert, exactly. <laughs> if you go into it like that, then sometimes that was dollar store desserts. And sometimes that Twinkie is exactly what you it's need. It's exactly what you need, and it hits the freaking spot. <laughs> that is a great analogy. Like, it's no, a great I'll, analogy. Send me those links. Yeah, I'll send you Yeah, those send me those links. I, there's no question I will listen to those. That sounds like a fantastic the, all three episodes. There's just times, and we all admit it, that 
you know, a McDonald's double cheeseburger just hits the spot. Is it the best? I... Is it the best dinner? No question. It's awful. It's not a great dinner, <laughs> but, but like sometimes it just hits the spot. It's, it's definitely not roost. Crisp. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely not so, wrong. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So if you go into it with that perspective uh, and, and, you know, you just want to be purely entertained, the fast franchise will entertain the hell out of you. All right. Last thoughts then uh, as we're closing out here. John Cena, what do you think about his introduction into the franchise? How do you feel about that? Uh, I was fine with it. John Cena is just like any other WWE character. He's a C-level actor. and Except The Rock being the exception to the WWE character you're talking about. I mean, yeah. The Rock, the Rock really is like, he is... He has come into his own in a way where it's like, this guy's actually like legit. Sorry. Anyway, that's my tangent on The Rock. I do really like The Rock. Anyway, sorry. John Cena. Uh, he's Because there's no question he's going to be in future movies, right? Yeah, he's definitely going to be in 10, which yeah. they pretty much only guaranteed that there's going to be a 10. Um, mm. So the, there might not be more. Yeah, huh? the last one, you know, the 10th movie is probably the last installment of the franchise, but that's okay. Um, he, he was fine. He, he he didn't like blow me away, but I thought the the story of how they had this mysterious brother was somewhat believable, right? Like if you uh, if your little brother killed your dad uh, on purpose, I could see, Which, I could see how you would like completely forget about your brother and, and throw him, and basically you're not allowed to come back. I I, I could see that, that. actually. In terms of suspending disbelief, that actually didn't seem that didn't seem like the biggest reach to me. But um, I one thing I did, I actually sided with John Cena there, not just because I hate Vin Diesel. That was probably the most interesting part of the movie was the backstory there. Yeah. Um, like there's and just for those the uninitiated, obviously spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I've been I'll be saying that throughout this whole episode. But um, the, the the accusation is that the brother killed the dad. And uh, Vin Diesel was able to recognize that when he went and spent time in prison for beating up a guy that was on the other team that was part of that was also partly responsible for his father's death. But there was something you could do to kind of make the engine so it sputtered. But here's the thing: there, I agree with John Cena that he said I didn't know Dad was going to die. Like I just was like he wanted me to make him wreck. Like that's what his claim is, which I think is kind of ultimately really what it was Mm -hmm. is what the movie just shows you, and so. At the end of the day, you do kind of uh, like you see all that kind of play out. But I, that's what I thought of immediately. Like uh, it's one thing to like jack up the engine, but for Vin Diesel to automatically a jump, like assume to the the fact that his brother meant to kill his dad is like, well, it's still a raceway and crashes happen. So did his brother really intend to kill? Like I don't know that. Now this is me dissecting Fast and Furious. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just very good. Maybe I should like, back up. This is yeah. where you don't. This is where like. <laughs> This, I'm losing. This is where I'm you losing. struggle with Fast and Furious because you're trying to like critically analyze the plot and like, oh, well, how did he jump to this conclusion? Never jump to a conclusion with Fast. Like, just accept it for what No, no, no. Is. Never try to explain any of the jump conclusions exactly. that they make. Yeah, never try to explain it because once you try to explain it, you're going to be lost in the sauce. Just accept it for just being purely entertainment and uh, you're going to laugh and uh, – 
you know, it might get a little dusty uh, in the theaters, like in Fast Seven. <laughs> you never know; it's going to bring. I was. I will say that was a fantastic ending. Yeah, it really was. That really was like Paul Walker send off was freaking. It was great. They really did a good job with that. It's the closest I've ever uh, come to actually crying in a movie. You've never cried in a movie. Never. I don't cry. Wow. You're not really a crier. I'm not, okay, I'm not really a crier either, but I've cried at a couple of movies. It's gotten me a few times. Yeah, no, I've never cried in a movie. And that was the closest. Well, how about that? Yeah. That's a hell of a way to sign off on this this episode. Thanks, Case. Yeah, no problem. No problem. And thank you for taking the time, as always, coming in here. And we're, we're still yet to do one an episode I've been looking forward to for a while now with you and John. We've got that. we got an idea cooking up that I'm really happy and excited about. It's going to be a good episode, I know. Yep. It's going to be good. All right. It'll be a good time. Casey Sato, my man, thank you for coming on, and go Yankees. Oh, go. There's an hourglass sitting on my table I'm watching Cause everything's changing my mind Going to a different time Old love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I 